Our guest today, Edwin Adibari, is Chief Happiness Officer of the globally recognized Happy Neighborhood Project. Find out how he's changing the narrative about leading a happy company, even in a turbulent world. Join us for episode 253 of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Welcome, everyone. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right along with me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, everybody. It's great to join you again for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio. And as always, our purpose here is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas that can help visionary leaders accelerate themselves, along with their companies, to their next level of game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. Now, you know, Pam, one of the recurring narratives that comes up over and over as we speak with CEOs and other top executives is that having a happy, engaged company can have a huge, a huge positive effect on the company's success. Yes, that's right. Now, this is one of the things that we've believed and we've talked about for quite a long time now. But here's the thing. When times are good, it's a lot easier to foster an environment of happiness and engagement in a company. But what about when times are tough? CEOs tell us that it can be a real challenge to lead in a way that sustains happiness when they're facing things like pandemics, emerging competitive pressures, economic uncertainty, all stuff like that. Oh, yes. Under these conditions, it can be natural to put happiness on the back burner. Yeah. But this can lead to lower productivity and burnout, and it costs time and revenue and reputation and so much more. It's time to change the narrative on leading a happy company. Okay. That's why we're happy to be speaking today with Edwin Adibari, MBA. He's a TEDx speaker, entrepreneur, and coach who's dedicated much of his career to promoting happiness worldwide. Edwin is the founder of the Happy Neighborhood Project and the I Am Happy Project, which has over 70,000 members across 64 cities in 19 countries. Wow. Wow. He's been featured in a PBS documentary about happiness. And in 2014, his work on promoting happiness was recognized by the United Nations. He also serves on the board of various profit and not-for-profit organizations. Now, we were first introduced to Edwin by our friend Natsuya Lipschitz, who was a previous guest on Growth Igniters Radio. And she spoke as part of the 2023 Happy Neighborhood Project, which celebrates the International Day of Happiness. You can read much more about Edwin's background by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 253, and scrolling down to resources. Edwin, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. We are so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I am so happy to be here. Happiness is one of those topics that's huge, and yet we're going to kind of boil it down a little bit for the purpose of this episode. So let's start out, what do we mean by happiness? And we've been trying to tackle this for a lot of years now. (laughs) Well, first of all, 
I have realized there's about 8 billion human beings on this planet health. Mm-hmm. And, and when people ask me that question, I say we can define it by each individual because happiness is that unique. It's completely different thing to different people and there's no one size fit all when it comes to defining happiness. Now, after interviewing over a thousand people, you start to have a thing or two about the subject. You start to know about it. You start to gather it up. So I came up with this definition, and I'm going to read it to everybody. It says, happiness is a state of mind or yes. feeling, and is characterized by contentment, satisfaction, pleasure, and joy. Okay. So that's kind of like how I build my definition so that people can have a frame of reference. Am I content with life? Do I have pleasure in what I'm doing? Do I enjoy? Do I have joy in my life? You know, so, so those are characteristics. You know, you have to have some degree of pleasure. You have to have joy. You have to have satisfaction. You have to have contentment. And when you can bundle all that together, then you are a happy person. <laughs> That's a tall order. <laughs> so there are lots of dimensions of happiness, and it cycles up and down according to uh, different conditions. But if you have at least some of that going on all the time, you're going to be a happy person. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Because the bottom line is this. There is no one thing. You see somebody and I say, oh, if I win the lottery, I will be happy. And yes, when they win the lottery, they'll be happy a little bit, you know, for that moment. Mm-hmm. But if they don't have contentment, then that's going to vanish away right away, you know? Ah. So... There is no one person that can have all of that either, but there had to be some balance. So when I talk about moving from happiness as an emotion to happiness as a skill, I talk about understanding those factors uh-huh. and how are you so that you are moving towards the right direction. We're going to talk much more about this. I mean, I think it's a good overview of where we're going to be headed But of course, everybody comes to their happiness from different places at different times. I call it turning points. What was the turning point in your life that led you to decide to focus on helping others become happy? Because you came from a lot of other areas. I mean, this wasn't like you graduated from college and said, I'm going to be happy now and I'm going to focus on making other people happy. (laughs) No. What was it? (laughs) No, as a matter of fact, I think to my degree... It's in aviation. Okay. I went to Embarido Aeronautical University. So I was supposed to be a pilot or work with airlines or with, you know, space. And then I did go into technology and I was very successful in building technological companies. However, during the recession of 2008, you know, I do a lot of meditation. And at that space, I just went out on the street and I started talking to people about happiness. Now, I remember people at that time, they probably were thinking, okay, is that this guy is going crazy? Or he's trying <laughs> yes. to take advantage of people or something like that, okay? So I still remember one of the local television channels, you know, inviting me to their studio. I thought they were going to just interview me like we are doing right now, you know, asking why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I tell them why and I go my own way, you know? And they say, no, we have a different plan. We want to have a crew go out on the street with you so we can observe what you're doing. 
Oh. <laughs> you know, so at first I hesitated because we are talking about happiness and people are very private when it comes to their happiness. So they might not be too excited when they see a camera crew behind me coming to talk. So the executive producer said to me, Edwin, you know what? We are very experienced with this thing. So you do what you do. Let us do what we do. Let's see how it comes out. And I thought that was fair. So we went out on the street. A few hours later, everybody were happy. They were so impressed with what they experienced. So they did a small documentary on it. So that was the first time anything ever happened with the subject. But the real turning point for me, because at that point, it was still like fun. You know, it was like, I want to do some research about happiness. I want to know why people are happy, why they are not happy. It wasn't serious thing for me until I met a gentleman at the Jack London Square in Oakland. And it was a very beautiful Sunday morning. So I was going about doing my thing and I've interviewed so many people by this time. So I asked this young man, hey, can I ask you a quick question? And he said, no. I mean, the no was so strong, <laughs> it would have been enough for me to just say, okay, thank you, and I go my way. <laughs> but something told me no, because previously I've decided, you know, I would ask at least three times before I would give up. So I said, hey, this is going to be very, very quick. And he said, not really. I said, come on, what is going on? So I think he realized I wasn't going to let him go. So that's when he said, okay, whatever it is, ask it so I can go my way. So I asked, on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you right now? And it's called by far the lowest. So I was even shocked. You know, I'm like, hey, this is a beautiful Sunday. Why would, and this is self-assessment. Why would you assess yourself that low? So I said, hey, can I share a quick story with you? And he said, no. I said, yeah, we go again, you know. Anyway, finally, he said, okay, come on, you know. So the first thing that came to my mind, I just started sharing. And then towards the end, I realized it was calmed down. So I said, hmm. So in my mind, I said, maybe I can share a second one. And so, and he did not say yes or no. So I assumed a yes. So the second one and the third one, I was on the roll, you know. About nine stories and maybe 30 minutes later, a little voice in my head said, hey, Edwin, you need to slow down now. Come on, you know. So, because my interview was never that long. So I reached out to shake his hand and he held my hand so strong. So this is Oakland, California in Jack London Square, you know, across from San Francisco. So I'm shaking his hand now, he's holding my hand. I can't leave my, I can't take my hand off. And he goes, what's your name? And I said, well, as a general rule, I don't give my name. I made that decision very early on. Because I didn't want people thinking, okay, this guy's just being nice, but he's going to come and try to sell us something, you know? Uh-huh, that would be natural, yeah. Yeah, so I just felt if we are supposed to meet, we'll meet again. And he said, not this time. He said, I didn't want to talk to you at first. You kept me here for almost 30 minutes. The least you can do is give me your name. And I thought that was fair. Plus, I also wanted my hand back, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so I yeah. gave him my name. He asked for the spelling of my last name. I spelled it. He released my hand, and we left. Now, mm-hmm. at that point, it wasn't really no big deal for me. It was just a little bit longer, you know, encounter until the next day when the young man called me. So the first thing was, do you remember me? And I said, yes, I do. But I, I don't remember giving you my number. And he said, yes, but I Google you. And I said, oh, okay, that kind of solves that. And I said, how can I help you? And he said, well, he just called to say thank you. I said, where is that call? I'm the one that had the hostage, you know, so why are you calling to thank me? It's not making sense. And that's when he broke the news, that when I had talked to him, 
he was on his way to commit suicide. Oh and my goodness. I suicide. Was oh. yes, I was shocked. The first thing that came out of my mouth was, you need to go and see a counselor. And he said, well, I've been seeing a counselor for like two years and nothing was working. And then I said, then what happened? He said, well, there were some of the things in the story you were sharing that resonated. I've been in so much pain, but they make sense that I decided to give it a try. So I went back home. The suicide know you left. I started writing down the things I was thankful for and happy about. Then I went from zero, like you know, that I gave you to about 29 different items. So I was so happy, you know. I was like, wow, you are in a different frame of mind. Now you need to go see a different counselor. And then he asked asked if I was a counselor, and I said no. And then he hung up, and that was when everything changed for me. I realized this was different. This was just bigger than me, and this was just more than a little interview. And that's when we went ahead to start the I Am Happy project and started to grow it to support people. Okay, so you started the I Am Happy project in 2009. You went from that to the Happy Neighborhood project. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because we used the I Am Happy project to support individuals because that was my initial experience. You know, how do we get people to focus on happiness? Because I'm sure you will understand and probably aware from your field, people are a little bit gone shy when it comes to talking about happiness. You, you see your neighbor will be showing you a happy face, but internally they are not happy. And then you see something terrible happen. You think, wait a second, not that guy. The guy was a happy guy. No, the guy was not a happy guy. He was good at showing a happy face, you know. And because you guys didn't really have a relationship, you couldn't probe in enough to understand the behind the scenes, you know. You couldn't feel the orange, like I would say, you know. So when it comes to happiness, it's a very tough subject. So we wanted to create an environment where through volunteering, people can go work with total strangers and start to open up because the main goal was to build it on the foundation of happiness. So that's how we grow the I Am Happy project. So once we've done that and we realize, okay, that's good on individual basis, but then there are whole business people that also needs to be happy, you know? Right. right. And, and it's a completely different culture, okay? Yes. So that's where we started the Happy Neighborhood Project. And, and that kind of just picked up during the beginning of the pandemic because we saw a lot of businesses. I still remember around March, towards the end of March, maybe beginning of April of 2020, a gentleman reached out to me and he said, Edwin, I just want to say thank you. And I'm like, why? You know, I'm kind of used to people calling me to thank you. I'm used to it, but I still always like to know why. I still want to yeah. know why. And I say, why? He said, well, he said, when I was first invited to one of your meetings, I didn't want to come because I actually thought it was silly, you know, that it didn't make sense. We are talking about pandemic and people are talking about dying and losing their business. And this person is inviting me to some kind of happiness stuff. It just did not make sense. He said, but I was so glad I came. He said, I've been in business for like 20-something years. I've been a happy person, never been depressed. He said, but these last two or three weeks, I've been so depressed. A lot of thought is going through my head, you know, yeah. until mm-hmm. I came to your meeting. And I, that 55 minutes was like, whoa, there is a light at the end of the tunnel here, you know. 
even though we still don't know what's going on, but at least you have a group of people that you can kind of talk about without worrying about pandemic. So that's when we know we're up to something. And then it grew very quickly from that 65 so people to over 20,000 registration at the height of the pandemic. <laughs> so we did have a lot of businesses to overcome during the pandemic. Wow. So that's how you started. What's your vision for the Happy Neighborhood Project going forward? Well, one of the things, whether it's pandemic or recession or just plain day-to-day life, one thing that is very clear is that the purpose of life is to be happy. Okay. And on that basis, as a business person, there's so many things you have to juggle. And I'm working on a book right now from CEO to CHO. But the whole concept of that is how do you juggle that? Because as a CEO, you are responsible for making big decisions, major operations, decisions that affect families, decisions that affect communities, some cases, decisions that affect countries. Right. How do you balance that? Now, we are starting to see organizations introduce the whole concept of CHO. It's a new role. Chief Happiness Officer. Chief Happiness Officer, right. They introduced it. And that's because they recognize that they've been struggling with employee engagement, with employee happiness. But from my point of view, that's just one segment of what makes a company happy, employees. Mm -hmm. So what we are looking at is we are creating, we started a core that we want to grow so that we help people build their business on a foundation of happiness. And when you build on a foundation of happiness, and especially CEOs of bigger companies, you're not just talking about, okay, let's bring in a CHO to work with a CEO and the human resources so that our people are happy. But then what happened to your customer base and customer relations? What happened to your shareholders and shareholder relations? Right. What happened to your suppliers and your supplier relations? All these people want to be happy too. If the purpose mm-hmm. of life is to be happy, the customer wants to be happy, the shareholder wants to be happy, the supplier wants to be happy, the employee wants to be happy, and guess what? The CEO has to figure out a way to balance all these people that want right. to be happy. Mm-hmm. So happiness becomes the glue almost. Exactly. And so when I talk about from CEO to CHO, Instead of having having a CHO that works with employee well-being and have a CHO that works with customer relations for customer happiness or a CHO that works with shareholders so they are happy, why don't we just have the CEO be CHO, you know? Why don't we, you know, why why don't we just start with CHO? Because it's almost like when you hear somebody would say, okay, what would, a CHO thing. What? Because a CHO would think differently. A CHO is not going to say, okay, wait a second, we've already promised that we're going to have so much profit, so let's cut off 10,000 employees. A CHO will never do that. Okay. At the same time, a CHO is not going to keep an employee that's not performing because he knows that the shareholders are not going to be happy, you know? Exactly. You know? Right. So, so, so a CHO can look at how do we, like you just said, Pam, how do we use happiness as a glue 
Because if we are going to build a happy company, it's not just enough for the employee to be happy. Because that's what most people think right now. When you talk about building a happy company, they think about, let's make our employee happy. No. Okay, yes. Employee got to be happy. Customers got to be happy. Shareholders got to be happy. And suppliers got to be happy. There's so many things that are going through. So our goal moving forward is how do we encourage a foundation that is built on happiness? A large scope. Yes. Yes. Building on that... You are the chief happiness officer for your company. So what makes you happy, Edwin Adibri? <laughs> well, first of all, my ability to look at the mirror when I wake up in the morning and I can smile, that makes me happy. Because one thing that I've learned over the years is that it's so easy to smile when you are in the front of other people. It is so easy to smile when everything is going well. But when nobody else is there, can you look at the mirror and see the guy that you're staring at and say, hey, you're okay. You know, you're doing fine. I like you. But give yourself a pat on the back. That's what makes me happy. When I can look at that guy in the mirror and I can truly say, you know what? You did well yesterday. Let's go out and do it again today. Or, mm-hmm. hey, you screw up yesterday but let's go out and fix it today, you know? It doesn't matter because one thing that I have learned is you cannot give what you don't have. Uh. You know, I joke with my colleagues and especially my staff. I said, if I wake up in the morning and if somebody was to ask me, how are you? And I cannot say I am happy, I go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's an interesting point. I, I'm not ready to wake up yet. I just go back to bed, you know? Because why go out and screw up other people's life when I haven't got mine together? So that's my major focal point. Is what can I do to continue to help me to stay happy? Because I know that if I do stay happy, I can impact other people's lives. And that's right. really my purpose is how do I impact other people's lives? But I have to start with me. And that would then fold very neatly into leading a happy business, as you're saying. So this is a wonderful place for us to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Edwin Adibri about being the chief happiness officer, the CHO, and what it takes to lead a happy company. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we're on the web at businessadvance.com. As always at BAI, we focus on enabling visionary CEOs and C-suite leaders to accelerate the momentum it takes to achieve game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. We're excited to announce that as of February 2023, Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper moved into our ninth year of episodes. Yay! We're proud that we've received top podcast recognition in 2022, and this year we're having more conversations with visionary CEOs like Edwin Adibari and other thought leaders who are changing the face of business, and we'll also feature more of our own quick take episodes. Now, if you're enjoying listening to this podcast, spread the good word. Be a reviewer. Just open Growth Igniters Radio on whatever podcast app you use and write a review. 
And feel free to share links to your favorite episodes, maybe this one, in your social media. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are speaking with Chief Happiness Officer Edwin Adibari about changing the narrative on leading a happy company, going from CEO to CHO. Edwin, tell us how people can find out more about you, your TEDx, which I really loved, and the Happy Neighborhood Project, the I Am Happy Project, so much more you have. Thank you so very much. And again, congratulations on your ninth years. You know, that is awesome. That, that's awesome. That's a lot of years of blessing people and, and working with CEO and C-suite people. Thank you. Congratulations. Makes happy. Yes. Thank yes. you. The resource will be happyneighborhoodproject.com. Okay. The happyneighborhoodproject.com. That will be the easiest. And the TEDx is there. I watched it. And it's called Happiness as a Default Position. That is correct, yes. Which I love, that title, because it says very eloquently. Thank you very much. And simply, at the same time, where we're kind of heading in this conversation. And of course, you can find out more information and links to this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com and scrolling down to resources. In the first segment, we spoke about how you became the CHO, your turning point, and what it means to be happy. Now we're digging deeper. We've already spoken a little bit about the challenge of leading a company through turbulent times, this turbulent business environment. We know that we can't have happiness as a back burner based on what you just said in the first segment. I mean, it's the glue, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So what's the key to staying happy in the face of uncertainty and ambiguity? Well, first of all, is the foundation. If you build your business, your company, your organization, and I'm even saying if you build your life on a foundation of happiness, then you can weather the storm. Okay. It's very difficult to try to fix things in, in the middle of the storm, you know? Like, for example... If you have not really paid attention to employee happiness during the good times, because everything was going well, and then when the bad time comes, it's very hard for them to trust you. Absolutely. If you haven't built your shareholder relationship on the foundation of happiness during the good time, when turbulent time comes, it's very hard for them to trust you, to give you benefit of the doubt. You know, yep. you cannot go to a banker and say, hey, give me a line of credit when the banker say, who are you? You know, because they don't uh -huh. really know you because you haven't built the relationship on the foundation of happiness. Okay, the same thing with your customer. Why would a customer support you in turbulent times when during the good times you haven't taken care of them? So the number one thing any CEO listening to they should do is you should always be thinking one day there will be turbulent times. You don't have to get to turbulent time first, okay? One day there will be turbulent time. What I am doing now would it help me during turbulent time? I'll give you an example. There were some restaurants in the area that we were that were really good restaurants. They were engaged with the community. They treat their employee well. They treat their customer well. Overall, they were really happy company. Okay. When the pandemic hit, their customer were going to get gift card 
buy gift cards from them. And know that these people will not be able to supply their food for some time because they didn't know when they will come back to business. Right. But they bought the gift card just to give them some cash, some liquidity to stay in business. Wow. Wow. Because they had already established that baseline of goodwill and happiness. Exactly. Ah. So the customer were like, hey, we don't want this restaurant to go out of business. They are really good for the community. They are good for us, you know. Now, of course, the customer was scared, too. They didn't know what was going to happen. But right. those who could provide that liquidity. The same thing with employees. I remember the beginning of the pandemic. The first thing I told my staff, and I didn't know where we were going to go. I, nobody knew what the pandemic was. I'm, sure. talking about, I'm talking about February of 2020, okay, towards the end. But I told my staff, I said, hey, guess what? As far as I'm concerned, within my power, we're not going to lay anybody off. Okay. How we are going to do it, I don't know. <laughs> but we're not going to lay anybody off. Now, that gave them so much confidence to go and work a little bit harder and get a little bit creative. And they work with me. And yes, we're able to keep that promise when nobody was there. How did you do it, Edwin? What did you do to keep from having to lay people off? Well, first of all, Okay, this is where it's really cool. And if you are CEO listening to this, this is critical, right? Because in the beginning of that February, as the world started collapsing, you know, first of all, we were actually planning the International Day of Happiness, which we have celebrated every year since 2014, right? right. We have rented a, a location, event center, we have our DJ, we've arranged everything. Of course, we were planning for hundreds of people. And then yes. the world started coming out first, you can only have like, 150. And we're like, uh-oh, we've already passed that number, so what can we do? And then they said, no, you can only have 50. And then, oh, you can only have 10. And everybody shut down, okay? So I told my staff, I said, you are going to be hearing a lot about thinking outside the box. That's going to be a big bird word that you're going to be hearing about. I said, that's a bunch of BS. Oh. Okay. <laughs> and they look at me just like you just did, just like your reaction, okay? They go, uh-oh, what are we going to do? What is they coming up with now, okay? I say, because we don't know what the pandemic is in stock. So the old rule of thinking outside the box is not going to work. Yes. We have to throw away the box completely. Yes, absolutely. And we, we got to think freely. We don't have no frame of reference because we don't know this pandemic. We don't know anything. And that's exactly what my staff did. We were like a little kid in the candy store because it was like opportunity to think house, you know, throw away everything. Let's just think, you know. And it worked for us. Yes. And I think it will work for most companies if you remove the fear. <laughs> and that's the thing. What I like about what you're saying is you have to have no box. No box when you're when you're coming up with all these different stakeholders, which we also agree with you on, multi-stakeholder societal benefit and all of that. Yet sometimes those issues, those needs are almost competing with each other. And yet what I hear you saying is that somehow you've worked it out or you, you lead to work out how happiness can be a default across stakeholders? And balance. And balance? that balance, yeah. So I gave you another example. First of all, we didn't know we we're going to grow that fast. 
you know, we're like 65 people in a Zoom meeting just talking about happiness. And, and, and yes, another thing, one of the attendees towards the end were so happy that they were there. I mean, they were struggling like everybody else. They were so happy they were there. And they were like, are we going to do this again? And I said, well, this is supposed to be International Day of Happiness. It's supposed to be once a year, you know. But since everybody is shut down, we don't have anything else to do. We'll just do it again next week, right? And then another person said, well, it's free now. Would it always be free? And I opened my big mouth and I said, yes. I didn't have no clue what I was getting myself into. I didn't know how fast it was going to grow. So I said, yes. And then it started growing. I have stopped like every other company. I'm like, whoa, what did I get myself into? Now, that's where most people would have said, hey, wait a second. I said free when it was 65. I didn't know it was going to be 2,000. I didn't know it was going to be 4,000. So let's, let's start charging for it. That's how you lose credibility. So I have to figure some other way out. And I'm like, hey, we are very happy people here. We are like in a world of our own. The whole rest of the whole universe is talking about pandemic. We are talking about how to collaborate. We are talking about how to support each other. We are there must be some companies that would like that. And so we started reaching out to companies. Within like two weeks, Dell Computer, and I'll give them a plug if you don't mind. They say, we like what you are doing. We want to support you. We want to associate our brand with happiness. And they caught us a big check. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Edwin, that is so great. Happiness breeds its own rewards. It does. Exactly. That's amazing. Let's take it to a bottom line, one sentence, the most important thing you can do to lead so your company stays happy through the ups and downs. Again, build your business on a foundation of happiness. Okay. Okay. We're going to hold on to that. And we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, Scott and I will speak more with Edwin Adibari, Chief Happiness Officer of the Happy Neighborhood Project, about immediately useful ideas for leading a happy company no matter what. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, where we focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase momentum for game-changing results. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. Have you ever wondered if so many CEOs think it's important to lead for business transformation and long-term growth in a rapidly changing world, why can it be so challenging to break the orbit of the status quo? Well, as an author and advisor to visionary CEOs who often face mysterious pushback to their big ideas, that was the question that sent me on a long search for answers. So what's the secret of the great leaders? The successful visionary leaders I call growth igniters? The ones who are able to ignite game-changing business growth over and over again? What's their secret? They're able to anticipate and embrace the hidden leadership dynamics that can naturally emerge in uncharted territory. How do they do this? That's what I share in my keynote, Break Orbit, Achieving Long-Term Growth in a Short-Term World. Go to PamHarperSpeaks.com today and you can find out more about Pam's keynote and her availability to speak at your next leadership conference or executive retreat. 
Welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with Chief Happiness Officer Edwin Adibari about changing the narrative on leading a happy company, going from CEO to CHO. Edwin, remind us how people can find out more about you, all your work, the Happy Neighborhood Project, the I Am Happy Project, all of that. Thank you very much again. Uh, you can go to happyneighborhoodproject.com. Again, that's happyneighborhoodproject.com. And so you can also email me. I'm very easily accessible. If you go to Edwin, that's my first name, at hnpabc.com. That's H for happy and for nasty people for abc.com. Thank you very much. Okay. And you can also find links and information about this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 253, and scrolling down to resources. So we are at the point in our episode where we get to the immediately useful ideas. Three. And we take them one at a time. And in this case, it's about happiness. And you spoke about it earlier, happiness as a skill. We know that you have a list of 10 tips for happiness. We only have time for three. So what's the first one? The first one, you have to decide to be happy. Now, it's not just enough to decide to be happy. You absolutely make it a priority. And, and the difference is when you make something a priority, you invest in it. You're putting resources into it. You're putting energy into it. You're putting time into it. And you put everything into it. And one of the things I say to all my uh, my staff, my colleagues, is practice does not make perfect, like the way they make us believe, okay? Mm-hmm. But practice makes improvement. And that also applies to happiness. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. When you make a decision to be happy, Make that commitment that you are going to get better every day. And, and again, that kind of fall under the umbrella of moving from happiness as an emotion to happiness as a skill. Because if you keep it as an emotion, then you go through emotional roller coaster. But yeah, if right. you put it as a skill, you get empowered. So it doesn't matter where you are, you know you can get better. But start with that decision. We uh, imagine that people who are listening are sitting on a plane or they're exercising, all the things we would be doing. What is something, as soon as somebody's done listening, how do they flip that switch? I mean, you make it sound easy, Edwin. It isn't always easy for some people if they're stressed out. No, it's not. So let's say a person is in the plane and they are hearing your podcast, because that is like, the moment you're hearing this, get up and go to the bathroom. And hopefully there's not a long line, right? Go to the go 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 to the bathroom and look at the mirror and tell yourself, "I am going to be happy for the next 24 hours." Oh, 24 uh-huh. hours. Yes. Be very specific. Now here is the deal: if you are going through really tough time and you cannot envision 24 hours because 24 hours might sound like a whole eternity to you, look at that mirror and tell yourself. For the next hour, I'm going to be happy. Okay. One hour at a time. In other words, yeah. make a decision and pick a time frame that you think you can manage. Okay. That's very concrete. Because the whole idea is changing your attitude. It's not about the length of time. It's not about anything. It's just giving you that power that, hey, you know what? 
I do have power over this thing. The world may be going crazy, but for one hour, I can be happy. I can be happy. And then yeah. you go back to your seat. The person sitting next to you experience a transformation. They will be like, whoa, what happened to this person? You know? <laughs> <laughs> they, they'll be like, whoa. No drugs, just that. He's smiling. No yeah. She's smiling. Because right. here is the deal. Harvard Medical School and the University of California in San Diego, they did a joint study. And they find out that when an individual becomes happy, they trigger a chain reaction. You cannot keep it to yourself. It's not, it's contagious. It's not, it's literally. The person sitting next to you in the plane will know something has happened differently in your life. Wow. Good. Now, what's the second idea? So the second one is smile more. This is my favorite. Smile more. Smile more. You know, laugh. Learn to laugh at yourself. And when I go into C-suites, I tell CEOs and high power people, I say, you can take your business seriously. Okay? You can take what you do seriously because people expect you to do so. Yes. But uh-huh. never take yourself seriously because nobody cares. Ah. Wow. Okay. I, yes. You know, and, and people have to be able to differentiate those two things. Because if you cannot tap into that little kid in you, while you are doing the big things that impact the whole world, then that little kid is going to gradually start dying. And then you're going to conquer the world and then find out it's on an empty space. You have to always touch that little kid because that's what motivates every single action that you're taking. And so when we do our worldwide networking event and people come from all over the world, you know, to this event, at half time in that 55 minutes, I make people laugh together for 30 seconds. You know, when people come for the first time, they think, okay, this is silly people. What is going on here? And then they start finding out themselves. They can't stop laughing, you know, uh-huh. because the brain cannot tell whether you are fake laughing or you're serious laughing. It's uh-huh. going to secrete the hormone that reduces your stress level, that increases your happiness. So I okay, tell that people, makes sense. laugh for no reason at all, just like a little kid. Oh, well, like a little kid, you say, hey, why are you laughing? The kid goes, I don't know. And then they can laugh some more. It drives crazy. Exactly. <laughs> well, see, we're making, we're laughing right now, and we don't even know why. No. But it feels good. <laughs> but it does feel good. Yeah. Yes, and, and, yes. And here is the last thing about the laughing. Somehow, it's okay to laugh when everything is going good. But I tell people, and maybe God forbid, you get that bad news, and the doctor say, "Hey, you have this." The first thing that should happen is burst into laughing. Now, now the doctors are going to think, oh, maybe this person has gone crazy. He doesn't understand what I really said. You know, what's going mm-hmm. on here? No, because that's the moment where you start to recover. Because laughter truly is the best medicine. Yes, that is true. And you have to employ it when you need it. We've got a build here. We've got decide to be happy. Do it one hour at a time if you must. Smile, laugh more, and what's the third immediately useful idea? So the third would be be of service to others. Aha. Uh-huh. Because the gift that we have, the very nature of us, is more than enough to just serve only us. That's to self-centered. I still remember a lady came to me one time giving a really terrible news, and the friend said, oh, call the chief happiness officer, at least he can make you happy. 
And she called me and he said, can you make me happy? I said, no, I don't make people happy because <laughs> I don't have that kind of power, you know? I said, but I can teach you how you can be happy. Uh-huh. And, and she said, what should I do? I said, well, based on what you share with me, tomorrow morning when you wake up, go to the nearest flower store or candy store or something, buy a box of candy or buy a, a, a flower and go to the nearest hospital and find the department that involved with the same thing that they just told you that you have and give them a box of chocolate or give them that flower or do something. She At first, she's looking at me weird, you know, like, this person understand what I'm trying to tell them. You know? I said, no, I said, you have to get out of your own way so your body can heal you. You have to be of service to other people. So volunteering become a big part. As a matter of fact, that was the whole foundation of the I Am Happy Project. Because once you are of service to other people, you are empowered. You know, your life is saying, hey, wait a second, I'm useful, okay? I'm not ready to live here yet. You know, we still got some creativity to do. So yes, that would be my thought. So being of service to others, and certainly you have been of service to others in this conversation. Thank you very much. So before you go, can you leave us with some final thoughts on becoming a chief happiness officer and fostering a happy company? Fantastic. Well, first of all, when you think about a happy company, don't just narrow it to just making your employee happy. And I agree with you, employee is the backbone of your company. But also look at how you make your customer happy, how you make the shareholders happy, how you make the supply happy. And I know it's kind of like juggling so many stuff, but it's really not that complicated if you build it on a foundation of happiness. If your suppliers know that you have their happiness in mind, they will work with you. If your shareholder know you have their happiness in mind, they will work with you. If your customer know you have their happiness in mind, they will work with you. And of course, if your employee know you have their happiness in mind, they definitely will work with you. So that's how you build a truly happy company on the foundation of that. Edwin, thank you so much for being our guest today on Growth Igniters Radio. We've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so very much for having me. Oh, great. And Edwin, again, thanks. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To contact us, get show notes and resource links for this week's episode, go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 253. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to consider. How can I lead so that no matter what is going on, we can create a foundation of happiness in our company? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.